for tuning in to the Greater Educator Podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Eric. Summer's over, and I have way too many plans for the new school year. Let's talk about the temptation to pack tons of new stuff into our teaching and how to evaluate which ideas are worth the time. It's the start of a new school year, and many of the country's greatest educators have been readying plans to kickstart new projects, goals, procedures, instructional strategies, and countless other fresh ideas in their classrooms. Many of us spend the summer months exploring our craft and searching for the something that might work just a bit better this year. For those with these innovative mindsets, the ideas might be overwhelming. Even when a school year wraps up with a sense of achievement and satisfaction, lifelong learners feel the urge to continue experimenting with their pedagogy. As social media has changed the game of lesson planning in recent years, our feeds are flooded with captivating ideas, often accompanied by impressive photos, anecdotes, and resources published with attention-grabbing graphics and fonts. So how can educators sift through the options to choose the best ideas and implement them with integrity? We are all aware of the marketing platform that is social media, but the marketing of learning experiences that bombards teachers every time they log on is unprecedented. To determine which of these ideas are worth our precious class time, it's important to remember to keep our overarching goals in focus. Before curating a list of ways to change your lessons this year, articulate the change you want to see. In broad terms, we want to positively affect the quality of learning in our classrooms. More specifically, many use the avenue of increasing student interest and engagement in their lesson topics in order to affect learning. While I will never undermine the importance of engaged learners, I've come to realize that this pursuit can sometimes derail my overall intentions in the classroom. At times, my most creative ideas end up being an event rather than an authentic element of learning. A simple Google search for lesson ideas related to a particular topic will turn up countless results that might not be quality standards aligned practices. I encountered this most frequently when I tried to plan projects in the past. I would look for activities to wrap up a teaching unit and often it turned out to be what students remembered most about the topic. Unfortunately, if I'm honest, too often those culminating projects didn't showcase learning objectives. Instead, they tended to either assess memory, compliance, or nothing at all. But they were cool. I've absolutely been guilty of using technology just for technology's sake. I've been sold on new apps or other tech tools that I looked for ways to use in my instruction just because they were cool. I've spent hours designing lessons in fancy presentation format that really didn't expose my students to anything different. It was only through some really serious reflection that I admitted to myself that I was falling for the marketing and losing sight of the change I actually wanted to happen in my classroom. In many cases, teachers have tech at their fingertips before they have a clear vision for why and how it should be used. 
undeniably, connectivity can offer a huge boost to student engagement, but it's important to keep coming back to our purpose. We need kids to be engaged in the right things after all. It's a theme that you'll hear us discuss often. The greatest resources in the world won't affect student learning unless they are used effectively. The goals or objectives need to come first every time. I still have to remind myself of this repeatedly. It's so easy to lose sight and it's not easy to admit it. A simple way to keep our sights set on our true intentions is to write it down. Look at it often and speak it aloud to others. I use a sort of vision board for myself and that is what I look at as I'm thinking about unit planning. When I read a tweet or pin a new idea, the act of looking at my intentions helps me to mentally assess whether it's going to help me or distract me from doing what I've set out to do. Another way I've trained myself to stay focused is to create a vision statement for the year. Taking the time to think about my philosophy of teaching and beliefs about students has kept me accountable to doing what's right for kids. I know a lot of teachers that complete a goal-setting activity with students during the first days or weeks of the year, but I don't know of many who use the strategies that they teach to set goals for themselves. So this year, Consider manifesting your vision for student learning and take the time to write down some actionable steps that you can take to ensure that the vision becomes reality. Beware of the appeal of marketing. Remind yourself to evaluate lessons and tech tools by how they will truly enrich instruction and commit to weeding out activities that are time fillers or new ways to package the same old thing. There are plenty of amazing and effective ideas out there, but you may have to dig to find them. And the greater educator is the perfect place to find the encouragement and support to remind yourself what it's all about. Rachel, this is the first podcast. It is. We're at the beginning of the school year. What's your favorite thing about the start of a new school year? Oh my gosh. Put it on the spot. Okay. I start thinking about the new school year, like about January. So, <laughs> so you're cutting ties with that school year, <laughs> cutting your losses, and all right, let's get the reset I just button. love that idea of, like, there is a blank slate coming. There's a fresh yep. start. Um, I am not the type of person that, like, dreads, oh, we only have two weeks left. We only have one week left. Like, I love the anticipation, the energy. I love just the buzz that's the yeah. beginning of the school year. So, um I would say, though, for me, the best part of it is just the new faces Mm. and the new opportunities, the new potential. Um, Every year is a different story, and I think it's what I've realized is the best part of teaching. Like, this isn't just about delivering content. It's like this whole psychotherapy session (laughs) like I don't know you just really have to to get to know kids and how unique they are so every every year is like a brand new challenge and I think that's what drives me I love the the cycle of this profession I love um now the thermometer wouldn't indicate anything meaning that it's the beginning of a new school year because it's like 112 (laughs) degrees today but um I love the you know the 
the change of the season and the, you know, you, you have those first few days of in-service, you get to see all your colleagues again. And then it almost, for me, it almost like catches me by surprise. Oh, look, the kids are back. And then that's when it's like, all right, let's go. This is going to be fun. And, you know, I can't wait to just hit the ground running. Um, so whether you found this new podcast, um, you know, from wherever you're getting podcasts or some recommendation, or maybe you stumbled upon uh, our website, thegreatereducator.com. Or um, shout out, maybe you know us personally and just know <laughs> how cool we are. So there you go. Yeah, of that's course possible. you're tuning in. <laughs> um, so you can find um, our, our blog there as well as, you know, kind of a, a reflection on that same content here on the podcast. And that's kind of what we're trying to do here. So, Rachel, you mentioned uh, way at the top um, about just setting goals for the year. Um, And I think that's not something that, you know, we should just kind of take for granted. They they can't be set without intentional reflection. And so it's it's saying, okay, here's what I want this year to look like. And just the going through the motions of actually setting a goal, whether you write it down or not, you know, that's kind of up to your style, but just having to look intentionally um, at your profession, at your craft as a teacher. Um, I think that by itself can be uh, a game changer. I know that for myself, I set a few goals. I I hit some of them. Some of them, you know, I, I realized were too small. Like I far exceeded them. I, I mean, you know, how much credit do you give yourself? This is all kind of a team thing, which is what's so cool about it. Some of them utterly failed. Some of them became irrelevant just because the circumstances changed that I found myself in. Um, and as I embark upon this new school year, a lot of the goals that I have for this year would have been inconceivable at the beginning of last year just because so much has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think um, it's important to take a closer look at... Um, at our craft each year that, uh, that we, that we launch a new year. Well, and you know, it's really, it's not, it's easier said than done. I'll say, um, because I think that for a long time, I would have said that I really believe in the power of reflecting on what we do. I believed it, but did I actually intentionally do it? Like I can think of a few things. So early in my career, like jotting down almost like bullet journal type notes Mm -hmm. about what I did, what I felt, what I was curious about, what I noticed, you know, things like that. Um, But that was on a really, like, really focused, specific area, like one particular lesson or one particular situation. Um, And it only really in my experience has been when either I've had to update my resume um, or I've had a conversation where somebody who is really reflective or introspective has kind of called me on it. Mm. That I've really thought to myself, what actually is today my philosophy of teaching and learning Mm -hmm. what do I really believe about kids and is what I say actually what I live right so it's like there's a part of the reflection that you can do that 
um, maybe activates a certain part of your brain that says, I know what teaching is. I know what good teaching is. But then there's a whole different thing that is required to reflect upon what you're actually doing and to be honest and, and humble enough to look at what you've actually done and see if they line up. Because there's tons of temptations to cut corners or to just not follow through on what deep down we know is right. Uh, and there's also, I think, I think if we're real, there's part of it is what we know is right, what we would love to be able to do. Um, you know, sometimes it's just not in our power to do it all, right. all the time for every single kid. So it's that reflection where you're looking at both. You're looking at what you actually believe and actually, um, you know, being intentional about that every year because it, it does change. Uh, and then also looking at what am I actually doing? You know, am I just kind of talking the talk here or my practices backing that up? Right. One of the things that I find to be really disheartening is like um, people who will put this public persona of loving this job and just um, being so grateful for the opportunity with kids and, and all of the right things publicly, like out on social media or in conversations where they know like they're kind of in the spotlight. And then behind closed doors, there's mm. like, okay, but that does not match up at all mm. with the way that you're projecting yourself. Right. Um, and I think that that's something that takes a little bit of, well, maybe not a little bit. It takes a lot of self-discipline because in, in both ways, I don't want to project something that is artificial. I don't want to ever be perceived as fake. Right. So like in really honing in on what my beliefs and my values as a teacher and as a leader in the classroom are, um, it calls that into question for me. And I think it's good to reevaluate that because like you said, it's like, it's different. I feel so completely different about the way to really effectively engage kids than I did sure. when I first started. I sure. mean, experience has taught us so much and um I just think that being really genuine with that is it's a challenge and I think one of the greatest gifts that I've been given is the opportunity to have some really good quality time outside of the school building with some of my colleagues right and that's huge yeah we yep. the two of us together and mm -hmm. separately have had opportunities right. to um, to travel, to attend conferences, to visit other schools, mm -hmm. to just um, connect with our colleagues outside of the physical building. Right. And there are times when some of us will like jokingly say, you're not allowed to talk about school anymore. You're not allowed to talk about your right. job anymore or, right. you know, things like that. But in reality, we all also recognize how... Um, important that time is and how much it is defined who we are and like right. just having those conversations to bounce ideas or be challenged by each other is so right. important and um, I feel like going through that process is part of what has made me more intentionally reflective right and I think that's you know if you're wondering what the greater educator is all about I think it's a couple of things. One is we're trying to keep this rolling where we've we've kind of peered over the wall a little bit and have seen outside of 
our our own little bubble that is our school and uh, have been able to be encouraged by so many awesome points of view and different circumstances and people that have overcome different challenges um, and how encouraging all that is and how encouraging it is to talk about what if we tried this and um, and and that um, it's okay to really think out of outside of the box and and try new things and uh, so here with you know the blog the website the podcast we hope to facilitate that and to just continue to network and um, and keep that conversation alive uh, at the same time you know you mentioned just uh, this this human uh, this this human nature thing where we're just we want realness. And so we will, we will talk about what good teaching is, but at the same time offer a perspective of, Hey, sometimes in the trenches, it's just hard to pull off and True. sympathize with the, the challenges. And, that we and see also every day. recognize that everything that we say is a result of having done things <laughs> that it does not align at all with what we right. say in 100%. the past and 100%. learning from that. Right. So, right. but I, I just really would encourage anybody that is listening to find like a real connection with somebody that either somebody that you work with somebody in your building who is a colleague or even I mean there are so many opportunities to connect now um through social media or whatever else but they're like my husband is sometimes really sick about listening (laughs) to my like ideas and stories about school but being able to share that and just um, talk honestly and openly and and just to sometimes commiserate and sometimes really inspire right. others is a really um, it's a great attribute yeah. I think to the to I mean maybe that's maybe it's like that in every job but I'll I'll say <laughs> that that is a really great part of being a teacher yeah and so. I think sometimes it's just tough for us to to do I mean the time that we do have together is often structured. Um, here's what we're here to do. Here's the information you need to get here. We don't have a lot of time. You have a lot of papers to grade. So to just be free of all of that and have a, a free, honest, open conversation, um, has, has meant the world to our professions. Yeah. And yeah, we're just trying to keep that rolling. Now you mentioned how, um, you know, we need to set goals and, uh, at the beginning of the year and, um, and keep up on those. How much should we kind of zero in on, those goals that we establish at the beginning of the year and kind of put the blinders on and stay focused on, you know, this is what I wrote down. These are my three things. And I can't be distracted by this new innovation or this idea that somebody's trying to bring me in on because I need to focus on those goals. And how much should we be open to, you know, developments throughout the year that, that might lead us down a different path? That's a good question. And I think that For me, it comes down to really defining what goals are or what they look like versus what having like an overarching vision is. Because I'm kind of using those words interchangeably, but I think in my mind there's something different. So um, I wrote some words on my like, I just happened to in my, my space at school have this like huge whiteboard that is my desk faces it and I've just started writing like, like I got to fill this up. Yes. Like (laughs) it's just this blank space and whatever. (laughs) So I've started writing words that Hmm. I find powerful. Hmm. Um, and the way that it's kind of turned out or what it looks like right now is 
on the left, it's a list of like adjectives. Okay. So words that describe the types of, uh, or maybe I'll say like describe attributes of learning activities that I value. So okay. words like authentic, mm-hmm. engaging, rigorous, things like that. Okay. On the other side of the board, I've made a list of, it. they happen to be nouns that okay. describe kind of like values that I have. Mm-hmm. So like um, a culture of progress, hmm. uh, for example. So things that I just, they come to mind maybe when I'm um, reading an article or having a discussion or listening to another podcast. I'm or, like, or getting an email and you're like, or getting an email, right? I don't, or, I don't see the words popping out on right. this email. Or like, listening this... to another colleague's like idea. Yeah. Um, and in the center of all of this, I've written like a phrase about what I would consider to be my vision. And it's, so it's written on a dry erase board, right? Mm-hmm. So intentionally, like it can be changed. Right. Um, but in general, and I'm not looking at it right at this moment, so I don't remember word for word what I wrote, but it um, comes from um, a book that I studied a couple of summers ago called How to Personalize Learning. Um, and I can put a, a, a link to the book and to the authors in our, our show notes. But the my overall vision for designing uh, lessons or units in, in my classroom is to, um, and I'll word it this way intentionally, to design learning experiences for students that are authentic and that provide pathways that reduce barriers hmm. for everybody okay. while also providing different levels of support and challenge mm-hmm. to meet the needs and interests of everybody. So that's a paraphrase, but that's in general what I try to think about is like, that's a pretty broad thing. Yeah, and yet a lot there's it. a lot. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot built into it. Like I need there, I need for what I do to be relevant. Mm-hmm. I need for it to be um, responsive in a way to who the learners are in my classroom. I need to think about um, different barriers that different sorts of kids would face and then thinking about the way that they can access the information that I need them to, to learn and to be able to apply and, um, and to analyze and create and all those different things. So with all of that then, I would say that that is more of a vision. So what would my goals look like? Well, an example of that might be, um, I would like kids to do more talking in my classroom. Okay, so why? So why? How does so, that connect so to the that vision? That would connect to the vision by um, really allowing... I know a lot of teachers where the kids are doing a heck of a lot more talking than the teacher is and it's not a good thing but it's not necessarily (laughs) about the right thing exactly so so when we design learning experiences versus just designing a lesson that the teacher delivers to me that is something that is sometimes driven by inquiry Mm -hmm. um it's something where it's it's the idea that the teacher is not just parlaying this knowledge and saying i've done my job and now you Mm -hmm. remember it right 
Um, but immersing kids in experiential, uh, you know, um, learning activities where they are really taking, they're internalizing it because it's, it's more meaningful than just having it be delivered. And I think that the, the depth of it also, when it's something that they're immersed in is, is just a lot more powerful. So, um, it comes down to one of my core beliefs and it's something that we have, and I'm sure we'll talk about, um, a lot. And that is that learning is a social exercise, that it is like, I don't think that the brain learns very efficiently when it's just exposed one time to something that's delivered in one way Mm -hmm. and expect you to just remember it. Like Mm -hmm. we don't have this, um, infinite capacity to just remember things at, at a crazy rate. So, so by getting kids to do more of the talking, yes, that needs to be done in more of the correct way. So that would mean that kids need to be taught collaboration skills. They Mm -hmm. need to be given some of the language for Mm -hmm. what that would look like. Um, So a lot of people are talking about Flipgrid. mm -hmm. So, you know, nice, shiny, new ed tech app, right? Right. And... You know, the basic premise is, as the teacher, you can propose a prompt and the student responds, they give their answer in the form of a short video Mm -hmm. clip, right? They activate their webcam and they're talking into the camera and now you have your students that are doing the talking, right? Right. Does that count? I mean, is that, would that, would that meet the goal? So if you said, I'm going to do Flipgrid for this lesson and check, we met that goal. Well, I mean, okay. You're stating it very simply. So I'm going to say no because it all has to come back to your intention with anything else. I mean, I think that a tool like Flipgrid can be really powerful in a classroom. It can also be just like one more thing mm-hmm. that somebody feels like they need to do because they have, you know, an iPad or a Chromebook or whatever in front right. of kids and like, well, what can I bring into it? So the the whole thing behind my my thoughts in this this discussion is that we really have to challenge ourselves to first think about our purpose and then find the tools to help us reach that purpose. So in that case, one of the greatest ways that I think that we should uh, embrace the social aspect of learning is through. Um, what I was just saying that teachers need to do more of, and that is reflecting. Mm. I think that kids reflecting on their work, on each other's work, on um, ideas that they find, and explaining their thinking about that um, is really powerful. Because we don't want passive learning anymore. We don't want kids to just sit and be told what to think and what to believe. We want them to start to, to spark their curiosity, but also to become good at um, like tracing their thinking and what forms their opinions about certain things. Um, so if it's something like reflecting on what they learned through a process and saying this, this was how I felt or what I thought at this point and through this process, this is what has changed, it could be articulating 
some feedback for a peer. So reading something that another student has written um, and maybe we define that at first as, uh, I've seen teachers call it a variety of different things like a glow and a grow or okay. a, right. you know, um, some sort of constructive criticism, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, things like that, but to be able to think about the power of that, like we're teaching the importance of communication we're asking kids to not just take something at face value, but to dig deeper into it, which is starting the, the process of critical thinking. And I think there's also power in teaching those metacognitive strategies. Like, why do you think, what is your brain doing right now? And why is it doing that? Right. And, and how do you communicate that or put that into words for somebody else? So... So to bring it back to our big thing here, it's like everything then that I want to do, I while I might like use those goals and keep those goals in mind, I constantly have to refer back to my vision. And is what I'm doing helping me to uphold that vision? Right. Or is it something that I'm doing just because I want kids to talk more, but it's not really like helping to reach that that big picture idea. Right. There's so much to unpack with there all is. of that. There is. And we're going to get to talk about that we are. each time we we get on here. So I know we need to tell ourselves to to hone in on some really specific aspects of that and some of the other things that we talk about because you know, I think that that um, a lot of times we'll take it for granted that everybody is at the same level of understanding, just like we do in our classrooms, right? right. Like everybody comes to us with the sure. same background knowledge and everything else. And we really just want to unpack that and, and say, here's truly some, just some ways that will challenge conventional thinking about things, as well as trying to provide some really practical ways that tomorrow teachers can can implement in their classrooms and and sort of take some risks and change. Awesome. Well, uh, as we record this, we are in the middle of building our web page and our social media presence, and you know who knows if we're going to have email or whatever. Um, but um, yeah, this is a conversation, so we encourage you, listeners, to to reach out, check us out at thegreatereducator.com, and uh, you know you'll find all the ways to reach out to us there, as well as um, uh, more content as, as we unleash all of this goodness to you. Um, so, for Rachel, I'm Eric. Be greater. <laughs>